What do you want to be when you grow up? That's a question that we've been asked a lot in our life, maybe over and over and over again. And the video, the answers are the type of answers that you'd expect. I mean, athlete, ballerina, my favorite, princess, fairy, zookeeper. (laughs) What was your answer to that question when you were growing up? I asked both of my six-year-old and three-year-old what they wanted to be when they grew up. Asher, the six-year-old, he said a construction worker. I asked him what they made, and he goes, oh. Eliza, the three-year-old, said, I'm never growing up. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. Then I thought about it. (laughs) I was like, let's revisit this. I asked her again, and I was like, you know, like, what, what? What do you want to be? And she said, a dinosaur. (laughs) All right. When I was growing up, as weird as this sounds, I wanted to study British literature. I graduated high school and didn't really know which path to take, and I really enjoyed a literature class my senior year of high school. So I went to Ball State with the intention of majoring in English, specifically literature, specifically stuff like Shakespeare. You know, like Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo, that stuff. Yeah, I'm a super huge nerd. And after one of my English classes, my freshman year, first semester of my freshman year, my professor asked me to stick around. And she was chatting about how the first year of college was going and stuff like that. And then she was kind of working up towards something. She finally asked, Adam, what are you planning on doing with a British literature degree? Turns out the only thing you can do with a British literature degree is study it or teach it. And she said, and there are like 40 of those jobs. And you're going to have to get a master's and a PhD. And she said, I actually have two PhDs and I'm an assistant professor at Ball State University. So it turns out British literature wasn't the way that God intended me to go. I'm thankful for that professor, and I'm thankful for her willingness to gently tell a freshman in college that he didn't know what he was doing and he should rethink his options. Wouldn't you like to go back in time, you know, back to the future style when you were a kid? You know, when you were considering growing up as a dinosaur or whatever, and you could restart the way you approach work, or you could really give yourself a heads up on some things that were going to happen in your work life in the future. Now, we're continuing our series called Restart. And today, we're talking about work and what it looks like for us to focus our work on God. Now, something happens after the purity of the question. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Somewhere in there, we go from princess fairy zookeeper to reality. And some of us have our dream jobs. Some of us hate our jobs. Some of us wish we had jobs. And some of us don't know what to do in the jobs that we do have. And somewhere in there, we begin to believe some lies, I think, about work. For example, we believe our job role gives us value. Do you believe that, that a job role can give value? Here's an example. Sometimes we think that the CEO is more valuable than a landscaper at the same business. We give value to certain things. And we sometimes dream about the promotion or another job and find our identity and our value in what we do and our job role. Now, we spend a lot of our time working in our lives We study to become certain things. We research it. We talk about it. 
And I think it makes sense that one of the first things we do when meeting somebody is we say, what do you do? Where do you work? But we believe in this lie that our job role defines us or that where we work defines us. We attach different values to working out of the home or for a paycheck versus being a stay-at-home parent, for example. We attach different values to paid work versus volunteer work. And work can be any of those things or different things. So when you hear me say work today, think of whatever that means in your life. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's a responsibility like taking care of a child or taking care of an aging parent. Maybe it's your home or your family or volunteer work or all sorts of different things. Whatever you do as work, that's what we're talking about today. And recently I had a conversation with somebody. They know that I'm a pastor and they were struggling with their job. And they said, if only I could be a pastor, then I'd know that my work mattered. I'd be in full-time ministry. This, This person attached value to where I worked and what I did. So here's my response. I do believe where I work and what I do matters. I just don't think it matters any more or any less than where you work or where anyone works as their work. And people only think I work one day a week anyway. (laughs) We believe this lie. We believe the lie that our job is our identity or our work is what gives us value. And some of us even believe this lie that work is a curse and that it's a curse from God and that work really doesn't matter. We look at work as something to avoid, as something we need to vacate from. We think our ultimate goal in life is even not to work anymore. Now, it's not bad to retire. It's not bad to take a vacation. It's not bad to have a day off. That's not what we're saying. God actually talks about all of those things. But we do sometimes have a really bad attitude about work, don't we? We say things like, Mondays are the worst. And we post images of like grumpy cats on Facebook. You know, kind of like this one. She's so sad. We feel that way, don't we, sometimes when it comes to work. When you think about your work, however you're defining that in your head, do you see it as a gift or do you see it as a curse? Now, I've had jobs, I've had responsibilities that I saw as a curse. You know the type of moment you look up in heaven, you go, why this? Why do you have me doing this? Now, the first people God created are Adam and Eve. You know, side note, the joke I've heard, I think the most in my life, I introduced myself, hey, I'm Adam. Where's Eve, Adam? You guys are going to do that now, aren't you? That's fine. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It's just... So the beginning of the Bible, it starts with God working. You ever notice that? He created. He's working right away. Created the earth, the sky, animals, the ocean, you know, the trees. And then this first person, he created Adam. And he placed Adam in this beautiful place called the Garden of Eden. This is Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God sees that Adam needs help in his work. So he creates Eve. And Adam and Eve 
break the only rule that's in the entire garden to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They do eat from it. They went against God. Adam and Eve sinned. They made some mistakes and they had a consequence to their mistake. So here are the consequences. They had to leave the garden. Eve, as the woman, had sharpened pains in pregnancy, pain in childbirth. So if you've ever experienced that, you can blame Eve. And this is Genesis 3. This is Adam's consequence. Genesis 3.17. Since you listened to your wife, we're going to leave that alone. Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life will struggle to scratch a living from it. This attitude of work bleeds into the way we do our work. We think it's cursed. We're working so we don't have to work anymore. And we do feel this struggle to scratch a living from it. But I want you to look closely. The ground is cursed because of you. God didn't curse work. He cursed the ground. God placed Adam in the garden and he invites Adam to work. And this happens before the curse. Work isn't cursed. It's actually directly from God. Work is harder because of sin. We do have to struggle because of sin, but work is from God. So here's the first takeaway about work. We're going to talk about what work is and then how we should go about doing it. So work is from God. That's the first takeaway. Work is from God. God gives it to us as a gift. I think it's fascinating that God created Adam and then he gave him work. We were created to do this, to work. And now because of of sin, work is hard. It's a struggle. It grinds on us. It tires us out. Work is hard, but it's not evil. It's not bad. Work is from God, actually. And each of us, in one way or another, we are all called to work. Since the beginning, work has been a part of God's plan for humanity. He created it for us. And that means you can view work as a gift from God, even if you don't love your job. And I hate to disappoint you, but we'll likely have some sort of work in heaven. The goal is not to no longer work anymore. And because it's from God, it gives us meaning. Now, many people work jobs out of necessity. We're motivated by things like I have to pay rent or I have to pay, take care of my kids or I have to take care of my family or this is the only job that I was qualified for in a certain field or I, I didn't know what to do and we were behind or I have all these other problems in my life and this is what's in front of me. But whatever you consider your work, paid, volunteer, stay-at-home, career, whatever, work is from God. And our primary motivation for it is from God too. And because work is from God, here's our second takeaway. Work is sacred. Work is sacred. Work is from God, and that's a great reminder that not only is it from him, but any work that a follower of Jesus does is sacred. Have you ever heard those two worms, sacred 
versus secular. Have you ever heard that conversation? A lot of times we bring that conversation up when we're talking about music or we're talking about art. And we approach like life like there's this difference between sacred work and secular work. You know, sacred work being working or volunteering in the church or as a missionary or something like that. And secular really being everything else. But as a Christ follower, hear me, there's no such thing. There's no differentiation between that. Work is sacred if it honors God, period. No matter what it is, no matter what you do. Do you think that being an engineer can honor God? Can being a stay-at-home mom honor God? Can being a student honor God? Can doing chores around the house honor God? I don't think that we would use the term sacred to define any of those things. We wouldn't, but God would. Once my job was to fry chicken. It was my full-time job. I mean, I still smell like fried chicken sometimes. You know, like you catch a whiff of it and you're like, that's me. It's got to be me. It's me. Is it me? And at the time, I mean, it wasn't the thing that I wanted to be doing. Can you relate? But since work is from God and work is sacred, frying chicken can actually become a way that I can show my love for Jesus. I mean, fried chicken for Jesus. Chick-fil-A exists, guys. And it's not just because fried chicken is delicious or whatever, which it is, but working honors God, no matter what it is. And frying chicken for Jesus is sacred just as much as anything else because he created work. Work is from God and work is sacred. And here's the third thing, work is meaningful. Because he gives it to us and because it's sacred, we get to participate in what God is doing. We get to participate in the kingdom of God. So no matter what your work is, and, and it's not just church work, no matter what your work is, it can be meaningful. Every job you have is connected directly to God, if it honors God. So you don't have to ask. Have you ever asked this question? You're like, I hope, I hope God shows up at work today. He's already there. He doesn't have to join you in it. He's there. And if you're the only believer in your place of work, what an awesome responsibility and opportunity God has given to you. Work is meaningful. He's asking us to be a part of what he's doing wherever we are. And our work has meaning not because of the paycheck, and not because of how it makes us feel. Volunteer work can make us feel really good. Having a really good job can make us feel really good. But that's not the primary reason that it's meaningful. It's meaningful because it has the impact on the kingdom of God. It's our way to respond to the way that God loves us and provides for us because of Jesus and the cross. We have this opportunity to work. Do you think about it that way? I don't. Work is from God. Work is sacred. Work is meaningful. So what does it look like for us to apply these things to our lives, to our everyday lives? How should we work? First, work with excellence. I think deep down in us, most of us want to do our best work. It's, we're not really convincing ourselves to try. Some, sometimes we are. But working with excellence is 
is something in our culture that we talk about a lot. So it's partially the excellence part, just doing our best, but part of it's the motivation. Why? Why should we do our best? Why should we work with excellence? For our own benefit? If we're a follower of Jesus, why does working with excellence matter? This is Colossians 3, 23 through 24. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, not for people, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, whatever you do, how are you to find work in your head? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. I think one of the reasons that this has such an impact is when push comes to shove, if we're being honest, we don't always necessarily enjoy working. Have you ever had a job that you dreaded? I mean, I worked at a restaurant in high school. You know, I was a server. And I still, like, break out in cold sweats when I think about the job. It was just miserable. It, it was a hard job. You worked hard. Every job I've ever had both career and not, every responsibility we've ever had has its good parts and its bad parts, including being a pastor. And at times, the bad can weigh us down and we don't know what to do with it. And this verse is a reminder, no matter what you do, you're working for God. That's the reason. That's the motivation for doing our best. That's why we get out of bed in the morning. Are you working for God? Are you working for you? That's, that's kind of the question. One of our values here at The Ridge is we give everything our best shot. We will always bring our best because excellence honors God. And he gave us his best. It's because it just honors God. Now, that's easy for me to say, right? I'm a pastor and you're saying, hey, everything is ministry in a pastor's world. Well, I have to admit, first of all, even as a pastor, there are days or weeks that I don't live like this. Maybe I have a bad attitude or I struggle with those lies that my value or my identity is in the job or in the where we work rather than who we work for, which is Jesus. And no matter what we do as work, Colossians 3, 23 through 24 reminds us that our focus or our hope or our purpose or our motivation should be about honoring God, not ourselves. We give everything our best shot here because it honors God. And the heart is more about him than it is about me. It's not about what we do. It's about how and why we do it. And if this is true, everything we do is ministry. Accounting is ministry. Engineering is ministry. Staying at home and taking care of kids is ministry, factory work, volunteer work, retail work. Being retired is ministry. You thought you were off the hook, didn't you, if you were retired? You're like, oh, I don't have a vocation. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. So you might have a boss that's a jerk. Or you might have bad health benefits. Or you might not know what to do in your job right now, but Jesus is wonderful. And if we serve him with excellence, it changes the way we walk into our job on Monday morning, it changes our motivation. We're to work with excellence and that excellence honors Jesus and shows people what Jesus is 
all about when we work. Here's the second thing we're called to. We're called to work with excellence, but we're also called to work with integrity. This is one of those points that people go, like, yeah, I get both of these things. I mean, nobody's walking into a job interview, you know, and saying, ah, integrity's not a huge deal to me. Don't really care about it. Can you imagine being in that job interview and like, okay, and just move right on? But why? Why should we work with integrity? Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do or say is a pretty broad way of thinking about it. That's, you know, mostly everything. And that terrifies me. I have to be honest. When I stop and think about this, every interaction that I have and every day I show up to work, I'm an ambassador for Jesus. If we treated like this was true, would that change the way that you worked? How? What would that look like? Maybe you'd be the kind of person who, who doesn't talk about the person behind their back. Or maybe you wouldn't be on Facebook as much on company time. I see the people not looking at me now. I get it. <laughs> I mean, maybe you'd be more patient with your teen. Or maybe you'd have an attitude that gives thanks to God for the work we have. Or maybe you would approach your schoolwork in a completely different way because it's not about the grade as much as it is about honoring Jesus. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of Jesus. So we work with excellence, we work with integrity, we're on board with those things. We think those things make sense in our work. Here's the third one, work with love. So you mean to tell me, when I'm on my hands and knees scrubbing a toilet, you mean to tell me, even when I have to deal with that annoying coworker, you know who you are, in a dead-end job, you mean to tell me whatever work looks like for me, even when a customer yells at me, for something that's outside of my control, even in situations where the one-year-old doesn't really thank me for taking care of them, even in those situations, you mean to tell me that work should be done with love. I'm on board with excellence. That makes sense. I'm on board with integrity. But what in the world does work have to do with love? So the, the religious teachers of the day we're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to get him to say something against God. So they asked him, what's the most important commandment? That's a hard question. And so Jesus says, well, first, love God. This is the second thing he said. This is Mark 12, 31. This is his words. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So when we're talking about how should we work, he's saying whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord by loving people. You're still working for the Lord, not for people. But how do you do that? By loving people. Work is something we do every day, and because work is from God, work is sacred, work is meaningful, we're called to work with excellence, work with integrity, and work with love. And the question that I want to leave you today, how can you love others through your work? It's pretty clear, I think, 
that Jesus says we should. So how do we? How do we leave today and go into our jobs tomorrow with love? How would you answer this question? Well, we asked somebody. I'd like for you to hear from Dan, he's a ridger, about how he would answer this question, how can you love others through your work? What did you want to be when you grew up? This one's easy because for as long as I could remember, I wanted to catch for the Cincinnati Reds. Because it was right during the big red machine, right when they were coming up, I thought just about the time I'm out of high school, Johnny Bench will be about ready to retire, and so it'll be seamless. But that didn't happen. <laughs> what do you do as a job and why? I've got kind of a unique job in as much as I, I am a corporate leadership trainer and then I'm also an executive coach. So I'm working with leadership teams in helping them be better in their organization and then I'll work with them individually as well. I love the idea of being able to work with people to make them better because I think that so many people they have an expertise in their job they've got they have a skill but they don't know how to maneuver um, around all of the things that have to do with dealing with individuals they they have expertise but they aren't certain of how they make it all come together they don't have the personal skills sometimes so I, I love being able to see them grow I'm not working with them to increase their beliefs um, if they see how my beliefs impact my life, then there's value in that for them as well. Because they'll, they, because I think they'll at least see, even if they don't share that foundation that I do, it works, and it can make you, it, it can make you function in a professional, a social, in a relational way uh, better than they were. Oftentimes, when I when I'm working with an individual, what they they can't seem to grasp is how to be empathetic, and if if I can get them to kind of crawl into um, an individual's own life and their own professional life, and get them to, to discuss that, um, I, I hopefully I can model it. But then I think it can also just even through words help them find words that show that they that they truly care about the people that they work for. I love that a corporate executive leadership trainer, whatever Dan does, translate to words like empathy and helping people in their relationships. He didn't talk about the bottom line, even though, yeah, okay, there's probably some of that in there. He's talking about love to help them love themselves, love others, and through his example, love God differently. How does being a barista love others? Maybe showing kindness. Maybe showing care no matter what. I wonder how many bad days that a barista interacts with. And a cup of coffee and a smile can help. How does being a teacher love others? Helping kids learn, maybe grow not just in knowledge, but also in character? How does being a good employee love others? What an opportunity we have, even in a bad situation, maybe you hate your job, to say, I'm going to hate my job, but love my coworkers. I'm going to treat my boss with kindness. I'm going to be patient 
even if I don't like these people I work with, I'm going to love them? How does being a scientist love others? Well, working on curing a disease sounds pretty loving to me. Helping the quality of life of people. How does being a businesswoman love others? Providing jobs and care for employees? How does being a stay-at-home parent love others? Well, tangibly loving your family, modeling what it looks like to love kids and love a spouse and love the people around you is an amazing way to love others. How about being a volunteer or a friend or a son or a daughter? We can go on and on and on. And all of those things sometimes feel like work. But what's your answer to the question? How can you love others through your work? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, not for people. And the greatest way to show your love for God and what he has done through his work, through Jesus on the cross, is to love other people. Hard to do. Easy to understand, I think, but hard to do. How can you love others through your work? We bow with me. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, it's, I'm mindful that there are days that we maybe understand this intellectually, but we have a really hard time living this out. I'm selfish by nature. I think we all struggle with that a little bit. And my prayer today is that you would help us um, work not for, not for ourselves, not for the impact that it makes even on our lives or the benefit we get out of it or a paycheck or a feeling or whatever, that we might work for you and that that attitude shift can change things. I'm mindful today that if every single person here today went out and worked with excellence and with integrity and with love, it would change the world. I believe that. Not just our community, the world. So help us. Help us do that. Help us love the way that you love us. Help us work with gladness. Help us do whatever we do as working for you. And not just today as we go home, help it just nag at us even in the morning tomorrow or whatever shift we work, that when we wake up or when we're on our way to work, whether at home or not, that you might remind us that you've worked for us, you continue to work for us, you love us so deeply, so fully, what an amazing opportunity we have to work for you and to love others. Help us do that. Help us live that out. We love you and it's because of the cross and Jesus we pray today. Amen.